Game Boy. It's online. Now we have to use Zoom. There, and yeah, this is like after Skype and Google Hangouts and all this other shit already existed. There was all this other parallel infra- infrastructure, and then suddenly everybody decided use Zoom. Someone at Google must have just gotten absolutely railed out by their boss over that because, like, it's uh, it seemed so obvious that Google Meets would be the takeover thing, and then all of a sudden yeah. it was like, actually, we use Zoom now. I think it's just Zoom was just marginally faster. Mm. If, if that's you know my understanding of maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe it's like a beta versus VHS thing where one just got market ground because of arbitrary reasons and one was actually better. Was Google? Uh, I never used Google Meets. I only used Skype, and Zoom was definitely better than Skype. Skype was a fucking shit show. Uh, Google Hang or Google Meetup or whatever it's called is like virtually identical, other than just that like it already existed and people were already using it. And I don't know why everyone decided to use Zoom instead. What I can tell you about uh, Google is that they uh, throttle like the amount of information that that gets transmitted, unless you like. Because I, I I was on a, a Google Hangout thing with somebody who works for Google briefly. Not like in a cool professional capacity, like our friend Brian Weldon just was doing Google Fiber installs and, and had Still access doesn't. to that. What? Still works for Google in some capacity. Yeah. And so like we, we were playing D&D or something and just because of his internal status, we were able to use like the hi-fi version of it. Where like the call looked way better and sounded way better. Ooh, ooh! So you're you're playing. You you were having excellent video conferencing. You were having like yeah. luxury video conferencing. We should fucking yeah. we should get Brian over here to play. Um, no, I think it was like, I think it was Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green. Man, our Delta Green game died. It did I mean a lot of shit happened? But I did really like that game. That was a lot of fun. I would be down to once my schedule clears, talk about trying to find another game. I really liked um, the weekly one shots with you, me and Chris until obviously everything happened. Yeah. Or, or figure out how to play cyborg. Yeah. Hey, Alex, do you want to, do you want to play cyborg? Uh, I actually, I want to get into a tabletop role-playing game. Do you, do you do zoom role-playing games and shit like that? Do you do? I haven't, in, I haven't in a while, but I just got this new uh, game, which I can send you a PDF of. Um, we played roll 20 for a while. We could probably just do that again. I've always wanted to play uh, call of Cthulhu actually. Uh, oh, that's a lot. That was a lot of fun. I heard the Chapos do their episode about it, and that that's one of the all-time episodes. Soured, of course, by the the presence of Virgil, Texas. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's just, uh, I would be so fucking mad if I were those guys. Like some of your best episodes are just tainted now because there's this fucking creep decided to creep around. Like it, it's gotta like being the friend of a creep is always like. Can you imagine how Matt Damon must have felt during the Me Too allegations? All of his friends are systematically everyone that has benefited him in his entire life is you're a rapist. You're a rapist. Oh no! This is he just, just rebounded into crypto ads. That's yeah. He's, he didn't. He's fine. He's really surrounding himself with all the best people. That's one thing <laughs> to say about Matt Damon is that he's always locked uh, in. Oh wait, so are we all little crypto? Yeah. Who's recording um, there? Wait, Rory, can you? All right, can I hear you? 
Uh, yeah, I'm not saying yeah, anything. I can, yeah, that's. Good. I, I was just basically out thinking about the fact that last night I I realized that um, the 1996 website jackandworld.com is probably going to outlive Twitter. Jack and World. Jack and World. A, a website. Jack and World. Like for, uh, it, like it's, for jacking off. Yeah, it's it's like one of the first websites. This guy uh, just decided to start compiling a list of. Uh, masturbation advice for men oh that's great there's there's like a multi-page section of 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 techniques oh there are rated by users oh for so yeah uh, from like uh there are different master i only you know maybe i'm boring i've only been using the one technique for my for my 33 years of existence which is uh just the classic (laughs) pump method what are the they doing? The, uh, you got the baggie and the mattress. Get a plastic sandwich baggie and put some Vaseline on it. And Wait, hold on. We should, start, we should be recording this. Okay. I, I'm recording. I'm <laughs> recording. Yeah, I'm doing okay, I'm great. Doing good. Perfect. Just wanted to make sure. Uh, yeah. yeah I've never loop. done those any like masturbation experiment. Like when you fuck a warm a cantaloupe in the microwave and fuck it. I've never. People do that sort of shit all the time and never appealed to me. I just use the classic, you know, jacking off method. How it's 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 it describe it sounds exactly like what it is. You're uh, jacking it. You, you know, what else do also, you need? like a lot of these are just shit like the stop and go, which is where you just stop sometimes. So that's just edging. Just edging, yeah. Wait, uh, I, but um, I guess this was 1996. There wasn't like a yeah, formal this, edging this discourse might yet. Have been uh this guy might have invented edging. Oh, wow. Um, we are in the uh, present of Johnny Edgemaster right now. This <laughs> it has been user rated uh, 4.4 <laughs> based on 4,800. Out of 10 uh, or 5? Out of 5. Okay, so people like edging is what I'm saying. Yeah, edging is a B yeah. plus. Wait, you and guys, there's a, quick, got... there's a quick jack and pull. Uh, do you masturbate <laughs> to make yourself feel good or to try and imitate sex? What do you think what? the what the the questions are? Do you masturbate to try to make yourself feel good or to try and imitate sex? Third option, boredom. That's that's <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. It's not it's even one, about feeling good. It's about killing time. It's, all, it's not one of your two choices. What do you think? That what do you think the vote breakdown was for that? Uh, seventy-five twenty-five to feel good. Alex, what you got a different answer? Or you feel feel like that's accurate? Uh, who you'll have to repeat the question because my audio went out for a second. Do you masturbate to make yourself feel good or to try and imitate sex? Uh, Neither. Well, what, what do you think the uh, what do you think the percentage split I, on I those think, two? Oh, what, do you, what do I think the percentage is? I yeah. think for the you would expect it to be the first one because that's the most obvious answer. But for the the clientele of this website, uh, I imagine uh, <laughs> it's probably the second one. Because that's like the freakier answer. That's the sex freak answer. Is like I I want to simulate sex with this. This is exactly what sex feels like. Well, it's sixteen percent to imitate sex, eighty four percent to feel good. Out of one hundred twenty six thousand one hundred and six votes. Okay, I guessed entirely wrong. Then people went with the normal answer. Yeah, I mean the, the, these people, you know. Uh, okay, the Jack is the Jack and Expert collection. Yeah, oh, there are so many different subsections of uh, advanced techniques, including objects and substances. We have the pillow pumper, the shower massage, the little <laughs> boxers, 
latex gloves. The first option under basic variations is the quote vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the well, yeah. I think that's homophobic because it should be the asshole instead, is the first one. That's the more universal hole. Wait, I love this. So, okay. So describes what that is, which is lie down on your side and hold on to your penis with the backhand grip. The back. Ah, uh, uh, yes. The backhand grip. Yeah. As opposed to the, you know, when you do like the reverse grip on a knife, that's like what I do in order to look cool, you know? Yeah. Right. When you're fighting this way or whatever. Yeah. yeah when you're holding the sword so that the, the blade is next to your forearms, that's how I jack my penis. Like, yeah, it's it's I'm doing the motion in front of them right now. So, it's hard to describe. So you do that and then you roll over and then brace your hand against the bed and thrust your penis in and out of your hand. Uh, uh Okay. Oh my god. But Why? also what I what I like about this is that it then has sub it has sub variations. Oh the, the okay. vagina finish or the two-handed vagina. I, the I, two-handed I've, vagina. <laughs> I've yep. gotten lost in uh the the subsection of the expert collection, fun for two. Which just seems to be different. That's not variation. masturbation anymore. Oh, I guess no, no, they're no, doing no, mutual no. masturbation. We, we got, 69 mutual uh which is 69 but with the jack and world twist which is instead of doing oral sex you jack each other you're off. jacking it yeah that's okay. it but there's like seven different entries <laughs> wait i think what? i found i think i found my favorite thing so far so if you look at the quick links to hot topics at the bottom the line there's a line that's the third line down i'm just going to read it across what they what it has cartoon catholic caught Circle jerk, circumcision, clitoris, clothing, condom, cousin, cucumbers, dad, depression. Ah, yeah. <laughs> doctor. <laughs> then doctor. What? <laughs> oh my god, this is way too complicated. Uh, under foreskin fun, we have fill that your foreskin, going to too. which is sit in a tub full of warm water and fill an ear syringe or some other bulbous apparatus, such as a turkey baster with warm water with your foreskin over your glands, lightly pinch it over, over the opening of the syringe right, yeah. tube and squeeze the bulb till to fill the foreskin then release in order to suck the water back out of the syringe this is way too complicated I this feel is like crazy the end point to all this is just sounding you know that's how like once you once you get jaded enough with jack and i well i've reached the final frontier sticking a metal rod in my urethra you know yeah, what, what I mean, could be it's unless they get into this, like some hellraiser shit like they do the lament configuration of jacking off <laughs> And the Hellraisers come to the the Cenobites come to them and they're like, you you must experience the ultimate jacking of pleasure. <laughs> experience the jacking that's, of pain. pleasure. That's when yeah. Butterball finally speaks instead of just doing his weird laugh. <laughs> um, that's my favorite Cenobite. Hold on mm-hmm. a second. I got another. The Chatterer. Question. Yes, Chatterer. Uh, I like Butterball because he's like Leslie. me. I like Butterball because he has sunglasses. Actually, my favorite, my favorite one is CD Face from the third one, the one that just has a big CD in the middle of his head. Nope. Yeah, you know those things are dangerous. Yeah, for sure, for sure they are. Um, we can keep doing this, but I sh- should introduce the show. Um, hello everyone, welcome to the Game Boys podcast. As you can probably already tell, Griffin's not here today because he would have never let this happen. Um, and this is a game. It's true. It's, it's he's acting off as the ultimate game. It's true. Um, he's, Painful uh, pleasure, the ultimate game, the limited configuration. 
<laughs> Sorry, I like doing Doug Bradley. Really Sorry, um, I, I, he's a uh, he's moving cross country from Los Angeles to an undisclosed location. Um, so he's not here right now, which means that we're doing the thing again where I bring on our everyone's two favorite guest hosts. It's uh, Alex and Rory are here. Hey, oh, thanks. And, and uh, you already know that we're on uh, jackandworld.com, but that's what we're doing right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, I, I, I moved on to, uh, I found, I think it's a subsidiary of Fleshlight. No, it's Real Doll. There's a subsidiary of Real Doll that makes horror themed uh, sex toys. Like, you oh, can yeah. have a butt plug with an eyeball. So I was just looking to see if they had like, <laughs> that's cool element configuration flashlight or something like where you can just fuck the box that's the, you they fuck should, the box they should have fuck it so the you box. Can, like, twist into lots of different shapes yeah, i really I mean, like the eyeball butt plug i would just put that in my ass and go i can see you and oh just go to monster-cox.com monster-cox.com all, all right, right. Um, the next website if you want to follow along at home they, they also got okay yeah you would think that with the the release of the new um the, the new hellraiser they would have gotten in on that but the closest that they have is the pit which is a fleshlight type device but with teeth, like rows and rows of teeth. Uh, I we I oh, guess that one stuff that one costs two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh, well, it's on sale right now from three hundred and fifty. It's true. Uh, I like that they just have they there's the cocks, but then then they have an option for just swag. If you're not into buying the dildos, you just want to support the Monster Cox brand. You can buy a hoodie with the Monster Cox logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently they have nothing in their swag. They have no Monster Cox hoodies. They it's have a no page. swag. No, none at all. All they have are the cocks, the plugs, the monster baiters. <laughs> oh my god, the swag page is literally empty. Uh, so they have the classic, so they have one dick, which is just bitten. It's just a bitten penis, which mm. isn't a monster cock. That's just like a recipe for a real bad STD, which I guess is sort of scary. Wow. These retail for a, a bit less than $400. Can you imagine it's spending $400 product. on your Freddy Krueger penis? On which is nightmare. just that's not uh, even like yeah. a monster penis. He's just a burn victim. This just, you, he oh, has a burn victim penis. If you look really close, it's got like uh, which one is the first movie where like he pulls his chest, his shirt open, and you can see like the souls of people sticking out of his chest. Oh, you're uh, right. It does have little faces in them. It yeah. has little souls of faces in them. Yeah. So, so if you explicitly want to think about the souls of dead children being stuck in the thing you're fucking yourself with, <laughs> which I mean, I, I get, I guess, is not that different from thinking about cum. Other it's, than it's, well, it's like if you walk, if you walk. If you walk down the cum line long, if you enough, extrapolate you further place, from yeah. cum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's ultimately the same. <laughs> yeah, it is basically the same, the same sort of, uh, uh, same sort of concept. I, I think my favorite is the creature cock. Yeah, that's clearly the one that's the, the one that looks the best in terms of. It also it looks like it has. It looks like it has eyes, which means it's like a little face, and the wiener's the nose. <laughs> <laughs> and that's to me that's fun that's the sort of thing that i enjoy um there's like another like a weird oh there's another weird sex toy place that's like dragon stuff that's pretty uh, funny yeah i was it's not the place that has the ovipositor i don't think 
Uh, oh, yeah, there's tons there of dragon so, decks. Yeah, there's so many different, like, furry and uh, uh, other can sex toys oh, uh, yeah. on the market. 3D printing really changed the game with uh, with the whole monster cock market, with the whole yeah. beast cock market. Uh, oh, but the website that sold the ovipositor seems to be down. Uh, is it the one? Because they the have those eggs. eggs inside. It. Oh, no, yeah. you can still get them. Okay. Cool. Thank God. Thank, thank fucking Christ. <laughs> yeah, fucking, I was Your getting really stressed over here. Oh, my God. Simulate egg insertion. I was about to have that Branson Reese comic, One Fear. Uh, one fear, but with the off oppositors, you know, what if all the off oppositors went away? As I, everyone points out, the original version of that comic is the funniest, which is what if they made all the Simpsons porn illegal, which is like, oh, no, that's, that's, and, so. hey, that is usually the case with com- what comic strip edits online. <laughs> Pretty much any anytime somebody sees an existing image that people like and think is funny and think I need to put my spin on it, it's usually not as good. I feel you know who I feel one of the the comics guys that I feel the most bad for is Adam Ellis. Uh, you know that guy, the Buzzfeed yeah. guy, who's oh, pretty talented, but he he like occasionally has bad taste, but gets exceptionally clowned for it. Uh, of course, the time that like Jordan Peele, he said that like I like Jordan Peele better than John Carpenter, and Jordan Peele came into his replies yeah. and said, "That's no man," <laughs> and it was like, "Oh no, oh no," and. Uh, but uh, that one thing that he did with the uh, let people enjoy things. Have you ever seen that comic in its yeah, original yeah. context? The yeah, let yeah. people enjoy things comic. It's about people who say sports ball and how people that say enjoying sports ball is annoying, which I agree with the original in the, in the original context. I agree with the Adam Ellis context. It's but obviously it's uh, been taken as a thought terminating cliche, which is why he had to do a comic where he assassinated the original comic. <laughs> yeah, the the comic where he funny. murders the original comic is pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. You know, uh, he's he's a controversial figure in the online comics world. I don't know I, why. He's pretty innocuous. Yeah, I, I mean, I also don't think we need to defend him on the basis that, like, he he is infinitely bigger than either of us. If Twitter goes down tomorrow, uh, we 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 will go away, but he will live on. Mm-hmm. He um, is. He's been he's been uh, promoted by the BuzzFeed PMC. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I have no. Yeah, I have no like anger that. against Adam Ellis. Uh, the Frankencock on Monster Cox also has bolts on the cock itself, implying yeah. that it's a, a a penis that has been reanimated. Uh, mm-hmm. separate from the body or it is from a larger frankenstein body but that was resurrected via the penis well it also and there is a brain in the together, balls right so yeah. so it, it seems like it's made from multiple penises right different people's penises uh i guess you know you would need different parts I, yeah, it seems like you would only need one penis for a Frankenstein. Yeah, no, I was gonna like, say like I, I think Doctor Frankenstein would have gone out of his way to just find the best member he could. You think so? Uh, I wrote a I wrote a comic about that where he gives him a big dick, but that was all, yeah. it turns out that was already a young Frankenstein joke where in Young Frankenstein the lady hooks up with him because he has a big uh, uh, Peter. Uh, what's that guy's name? He was Everybody Loves Raymond, putting on the Ritz. Uh, what's his name? Peter Laurie, Peter Boyle, Peter, Peter Boyle. Boyle, yeah, Peter Boyle, uh, yeah, uh, he plays Frankenstein, and and they give him a big schwanz because that's yeah, a funny, that's a funny word for dick. Schwanz is schwanz funny on the top. dish word for penis. Schwanz is a 
an all-timer. Mm-hmm. Schwanz twice, three times a lady. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but uh, but then that inspired the Igor comics because I drew a little Igor character. And I should yeah, bring I those, those back. Those were delightful. I yeah, Igor was fun. Igor was fun. Together uh, fucking, I, I together fucking rips, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, yeah, I need to really finish it before good. Twitter dies. There's this I'm not going to read it until it's done. Twitter dies. That's how my brain operates. Uh, I like doing this. You know. I understand. That's fully, but I, I like the serialized format. I feel like Charles Dickens, you know, releasing chapters of A Christmas Carol. I'm, yeah, I'm comparing mean, it, myself to him. It's it's a good it's a good way to go, but like, a, as a participant in the comics industry, I feel really bad about it, but like, I do not buy individual issues of comics. Oh, yeah. I, I wait for them to come out in uh, paperbacks, which also is not good for the industry, which re- kind of relies on people to continue to buy the individual books. And if I don't buy them, then it might not get to a book. Would you buy them? Here's a question. Would you buy them if there was an anthology format like Shonen Jump, where you'd have like a big, thick thing of individual chapters? Yes, I think I would be way more inclined to do it if it was something yeah. like that because that's a lot more bang for your buck than yeah. That would be a cool model, honestly, for like oh, for like indie comic publishing to just uh, like do batch publication like that. Michael Sweater is doing that off and on. Uh, I think it's called Good Boy. Yeah, I would like to. My dream is to do that. Have like a Shonen Jump for horror comics. And uh, I I would love it if there was like, I mean, there's no market for uh, huge horror comics. Obviously, individual people succeed. Uh, but um, I think the world is ready for horror comics again. Creepy, eerie. The only movies that aren't superhero movies that do well at the box office are horror movies. Why? Because we live in a horrifying world. We live in a terrifying world. <laughs> everyone's, try, everyone's trying to get freaked out, man. They want to I mean, freak their mind. I, I, I would... I, w- I would also like to go in on that. That sounds good. I mean, stuff like that also does exist in Japan. Like uh, most of Junji Ito's work is originally from uh, like anthology comic or magazines. Yeah. Mostly aimed don't... at girls. Uh, fun, mm. fun fact about Junji Ito. He has like mostly described himself as being somebody who writes horror stories for, for teenage girls. That is who he thinks of as being his primary market because that is... Like Tomei was like specifically drawn for a girls magazine. I think uh, I think that's that's pretty cool. But yeah. I, that's a quality of his stuff that I love is um, he draws these beautiful women. He draws these uh, and but that their doe eyed innocence sort of adds to the terrifying things that are happening to them. Which is like, I can't draw like he can draw, but what I'm trying to do with like these simplified cute characters is like for when there there's this sort of uncanny valley thing that happens when you draw people too realistic where you stop sympathizing with them less because mm-hmm. they're less expressive but with like the little cutesy characters you can sort of uh you relate to them more for some reason those simple adventure time style faces are yeah. able to emote so much better than say like you know, I love the old EC comics, but sometimes when they would try and convey terror, it would end up looking goofy because it, it once you stop going abstract and if you're not like 
realistic in that stylized way that Junji Ito is is masterfully, then you know it's not going to work. You mm-hmm. know, even some of the like old Wally Wood stuff that I like it so much. You know, it, because it trafficked a lot in a certain kind of uh, primitive realism. It, it just didn't achieve the emotional effect it was going for. Mm, um, yeah. Which is not that, to that sounds, obviously everyone should go back and read all those old EC horror comics, creepy and eerie. Everything of that is great. Yeah. I like, as I, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't uh, make comics because of my horrible dysgraphia and terrible drawing ability. Um, but I read a lot of them. And I do think one thing that's true about these like sort of simplified forms is that like, before you even look at the detail of a given panel, they like evoke like an immediate energy okay. reaction. If there are these like sort of abstracted simplified forms. And so like you start reading or like looking at the details of the panel with sort of a lens in mind initially from that. And I think that that always makes it like really fun and exciting to read rather than like parsing it, uh, like overly detailed expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that always works for me. Should we talk about games? Is this a is this a games podcast? Technically, it's a video games uh, podcast. Yeah, we, like I mean, we said jacking off the ultimate game and comic books are interesting, but comic books are games as well. Also, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, Lux. You can make comics. Uh I could, but I you don't definitely could. You have you said dysgraphia. You want, I have dysgraphia. What is dysgraphia? I don't it's like I... dyslexia for writing. Oh, interesting. Um, I have to focus extremely hard to write barely legibly <laughs> uh, i see i see um but i can do it uh i wrote a shopping list recently and Cass could read almost two-thirds of it i mean that is why i use a font for most of my lettering because my handwriting is not legible to other people yeah i mean ma- maybe not to the same degree as as what you're describing but yeah, no, I mean, I've I've seen both our handwritings, and neither is uh, quote unquote good. A head, a, although, a school although, alarm would be disappointed and hit us with a little ruler on our hands for our sloppy cursive. Mine bad could, handwriting. Mine yeah. could be uh, just uh, chalked up to having been homeschooled, though. Uh, yeah, you didn't learn yeah. proper. You learned home cursive. You didn't learn. Uh, you didn't God. learn the the standard cursive. I I can't fucking read cursive at all. No way. Who, who, I mean, have I you mean, ever my, gone my, back and tried to read one of those old Revolutionary War documents? It's it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. I've tried to find original printings and stuff like that uh, for videos for work, and then like highlight the specific phrases, but they're like absolutely illegible. <laughs> like, There's no point. You, never. Yeah, I gave up on that. I wish maybe I could. you could just put the document on screen, but don't even bother trying to read it. I think yeah. if you just like show it to people, they'll they'll believe you. I do that often, or I do like the text, the image blurs, text like that thing. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to know how to draw. Like if if dysgraphia, if text is your enemy, then yeah, use a font. But uh, my one of my favorite things is like you ever hear of this guy called James Kachalka? Yes. He's a Vermont-based comics artist uh, who once in 1994 set the comics world a storm by publishing an article in the Comics Journal which had the uh, title Craft is the Enemy, uh, which is, you know, it's a big statement, you know. But what he was really getting at more specifically is he sees a lot of comic artists not expressing themselves because they think they need to get to some plateau of technique before they're allowed to express themselves. And he says, don't, even if you're feeling, if you want to do comics, I'm, I'm just like, I have comics mentality is like, what, you're not doing comics. Everyone should be doing comics. They're great for expressing yourself. Come on. Haven't you ever wanted to get your feelings down in graphical format? 
Yeah, I mean, it would be maybe a fun project to take some of my storyboards for video stuff and try to comicify them because I do write like six panel pages for for storyboards. Um, it'd be fun to to do that, but instead of having it be little stick figures and circles representing lights, actually drawing objects and people. Mm-hmm. Um, who could say? Um, but yeah, we should talk about games. I've been playing a shitload of them, but what have you guys been up to? We'll get to what I've been playing a little bit. But what have you guys been been gaming on? Uh, well, I picked up Elden Ring again. Oh. I, I had gotten halfway through it in when it first came out, but then life came life came through and I had to drop it because it's a very demanding game uh, on your time. And, <laughs> and it has been since I picked it up again. But man, I'm fully in the world. It's everything to me. I, I beat I beat uh, uh, Radon as soon as I, I, which I hadn't done the first time I played it through. And as soon as I beat him, I was like, okay, I'm fully invested in this game. This is the greatest game of all time. It is creating so many wonderful moments for me. I beat Rikard. I beat, you know, I beat Morgoth. I'm in the end stages of the game now. I'm on the mountaintops of the giants, oh, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm feeling fucking fantastic. I'm playing a magic build this time. I'm playing a sorcery build. Uh, whereas before I had played a strength faith build. So I was always trying to like hit stuff with a big ax and you get killed a lot more easily that way in this game. Uh, yeah, magic. It was fun to play, which is what I, what I did. God, it's, I... it's like, well, in the original dark souls, magic is not that great. Like that game really incentivizes strength builds. Cause it gives you stuff like black Knight halberd very early or black Knight sword very early or Zweihanders, which is always the better option than, you know, whatever soul arrow you have. So I was used to souls games having sort of like shitty magic capabilities, but I didn't realize how in this game it's, it's pretty OP in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. It's pretty easy to use and pretty good. Um, yeah, God, I, I I keep wanting to play it again. This would be my third time. Uh, if, if I were to start playing it again, I, I I'm actively preventing myself from playing Elden Ring for a third time because it it like fucked up my life for for like half a year because I just could not stop playing it. Uh, the second time through was because I got COVID. So yeah. I, I I had nothing else going on and I couldn't leave the house. And then after well, for like a week after I, I felt too much like shit to leave the house still. So I, I played through the entire fucking game a, a second time. <laughs> you it's, had the scarlet and, rot. It's just and so you could good. That. You it, were Kaled. Your body was Kaled. <laughs> It is still through. something where, like, I, I just keep thinking, well, what if I go through again and then re- redo my character this way and try this build? And mm-hmm. I, I just have to fucking hold off on that. Yeah, and it's, just by the nature of it, by the very bigness of it, you're always going to find stuff that you didn't find on previous playthroughs, even if you... Oh, yeah, I did. I Yeah, it, like, in, in the opening section of the game, like, in the opening area of the map, which I can't remember the name of, parts of the map i i limgrave I, limgrave yeah i found an entire extra thing in limgrave that i hadn't i hadn't found the first time through and i thought i'd been extremely thorough i ended up putting in a hundred hours <laughs> on both saves yeah i mean it's it just is that kind of game that there's like so many ways to approach everything and so much fun shit you can do in that world and so much shit that's worth exploring and like playing through sections of it I started doing this towards the end of my run would be to go back and respec myself just totally differently. Just use a, a mm-hmm. larval tier and mm-hmm. then go and like redo sections or like re, you know, re-explore places. And they feel wildly different based on your build and whatever. And like, 
I think that's a pretty impressive design achievement. All the people who are like, look how big the release of God of War Ragnarok's been. This mm-hmm. must be game of the year. And it's just like, shut the fuck up. Are you I, like Elden Ring is such a wild achievement and game I, Ragnarok is not barely heard people talking about God of War other than saying, well, it, it's, it's mechanically it's pretty fun like the last one, but the story kind of sucks. They said he's, they say it's very handholdy, like it has yeah. a lot of dodge here, dodge this, make sure to. They so might as well is, have Goofy in the background saying, do dodge roll, Sora. I uh, I complained about this to Rory last time I saw him a couple days ago, but two days ago, two days ago, I literally a couple nailed it. Um, but like they, the what happens in the game is that they'll you'll find a puzzle and there's a timer, and when the timer goes off, it's not like an on screen timer, it's like a hidden timer. When the timer goes off, one of your companions will be like, why don't you look at this thing? And it's it's quick. The timer is quick enough such that I found a puzzle. Cass was like, can you help me feed the animals? I went and poured a bowl of dog food for Vandal, came back in. And then the guy at the thing was like, check the barrel on the left. And I was like, I haven't even gotten to look at. I didn't even get to do the puzzle. I got up for two minutes and the game took the puzzle away from me. Um, it's a very frustrating thing for the game to do. And I really, it's like a trend in games now with these like big open world games that have a lot of like quote unquote puzzles to like try to make it so that your like companions or whatever, like help you out. And Jesus I, Christ. it's so much less fascinating and less satisfying than Elden Ring where there are puzzles, and there are mysteries and there are things you have to figure out, but like, I'd rather bang my head against like an inscrutable Elden Ring puzzle for half an hour and eventually get it right. Then have like the Joseph the or Alexander the big jar show up and be like, Did you know you can punch <laughs> through that wall? Like it's yeah. so much more fun and satisfying to just like solve it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I another piece of discourse came up with it was someone someone on Twitter said, uh, I don't like Elden Ring or Dark Soul style storytelling where you have to read item descriptions or and you know, you have to do like little lore-based tricks in order to get the full story, which is but it's so weird because it's it's like uh, do these people know about Ludo narrative? Has anyone described them Ludo narrative? You know, the, the idea that the story is taking place as you're playing the game, you are the one that's driving the story through the environment and the experience and the game feel, you know, and, and not just that, but you can actually pick up a lot through these little fragments yeah. of item descriptions. They're interesting to go through and to sort of piece together stuff with your little with your little red string together trying to figure like, out. And not only that, but also like I, I feel like because I, I have played through every single FromSoft game within the last two years, it's pretty straightforward, like. So yeah, uh, I mean, like you don't you don't know everything because you're some random guy that just woke up and showed up, and a lot of shit happened while you weren't there, which is kind of the the template for like all the Dark Souls games too, and Demon Souls, less so with Bloodborne. But like, yeah, you don't get a lot of information uh, in the open world. But like compared to the other game, the games that preceded it, if we're going to say that it's more directly in the lineage of Dark Souls, it is a lot less opaque than Dark Souls. Like, people tell you what somebody's deal is. Mm-hmm. Like, Radon. I got, before you fight Radon, a guy says, so this is Radon's deal. He's crazy. He wants to eat people. Versus, like, I couldn't fucking tell you why there's a giant dog with a sword in Dark Souls. Yes. Well, that yeah. story is unbearably sad. Actually, I'm, I'm sure it is, but um, 
the game didn't tell me nearly as much about Sif. <laughs> I wanted to I'm name my like, dog Sif, but I thought people would think it meant syphilis, so I didn't do oh, it. I'm saying like if you if you do no effort to investigate like the the mythology of the the game, you still get like a much better idea of what's going on just through like people saying like this is our deal. We're these guys. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, well, speaking of like Ludo narrative stuff. Like the thing with Elden Ring with all the Souls games, it's a cool is that you just make up the story of your little guy as you go through the journey. And the story of the game is a story of your little guy, like you know, Krungus or whatever you want to name him. Mm-hmm. Um, going on this journey. And in something like God of War, it's not that's the story of Kratos, and the game already has like a full story laid out. You go in a very specific order and you're not telling yourself a story, the game's telling you a story, whatever, which is fine. But you get ludo narrative dissonances in games like that because like God of War, there's a lot of time where you're supposed to be like we're it's like we're we're like god of war is this thing and i do it a little bit in the first game and a lot in this new one where you have to fight a boss or some guys knowing sort of a dramatic irony kind of way that maybe this is not the best possible outcome maybe killing this thing is a bad idea mm-hmm. um except that the game makes fucking killing it so fun like it doesn't i feel, hate that it doesn't uh, feel I, bad i i to this day don't like uh fucking uh, Shadow of the Colossus because of how much of the game is about you know it's a bad idea to kill these monsters <laughs> alright then I'm going to fucking stop playing the game then yeah the only game or that's not true but one of the only games I feel like truly pulled this off was Spec Ops the line um, just by being a war game and like making the war like so detailed and also by just like doing uh, Heart of Darkness slash Apocalypse Now pretty much one to one like a pull this off in a good way where like all the killing you do ends up like re- it doesn't it, it feels kind of gross in the time because it is pretty bloody and visceral and when you get the end you're sort of like well i just like harrowingly went through this horrible adventure and it turns out war sucks and i shouldn't have done it and it's like all right like that works let's go here and but like in god of war it'll be like there's this big snake and you know this big snake serves an important part of like the inter interplanar ecosystem and then you cut its head off with like one of the coolest fucking quick time event cutscenes in the world, and you're swinging around with your chains and everything's sweet, and then it's like, oh, I guess it's a bad thing, but it like felt good. And so I kind of find that like, if you really like sort of, if you want to tell your own story and make up your own details about things, Elden Ring gives you so much space to do that. Whereas God of War games like it kind of force a narrative and don't even the game doesn't totally fit the narrative that they're forcing. Hasn't that always been Kratos's deal though? Like I, I have not played the original trilogy of games. The first three like, games, it... the first three games, he's killing everything, but the game's vibe is very nihilistic and ambivalent about it. It's like we're killing everything, and who gives a shit? Because everything has to die. Life sucks. Everything sucks. Fuck it. Who cares? Which rules? Um, I think which I think is good. Yeah. The newer games, the vibe is very. He learned that killing in war is bad, but he's got. He, he, but he keeps getting dragged in for one last job. I think that's the problem with sort of there's a narrative dissonance there because Kratos, it works better if you're an anti-hero as opposed to somebody who's like genuinely trying to seek redemption. I sort of like in the moments in Elden Ring where you're killing bosses that you feel bad about killing like ancestor spirit or something like that because it's like, oh, this thing is beautiful and I'm fucking with it, but need those runes. You can leave it alone if you want, but um, I, I think there's always this implication that you're you're basically evil 
all what you are doing in the Elden Ring is lusting for power, just as everyone else is lusting for power. Mm. So even like you, in order to progress the game, you join Volcano Manor where you're just as you take on hit contracts, right? And you know everyone will do it because of course that's what this world is. It's it's endless murder and destruction, and I'm just part of this. Well, or you can sneak through the lava town and kill everyone there, which is huge pain in the ass to do. Certainly not. I don't think. I don't think really ethically hand washed from being a hitman to like slaughter a whole. You know what I mean? Like they're both both options are pretty bad. I mean, that's like also the guys you're killing are also assholes as far as I can tell. Well, that's kind of why, like all the Mark Fisher stuff, which is always present in these games and and from soft games as far as you talked about a lot and and hanging out. But like the Mark Fisher, like there's no escape from capitalism. There is no outside like like hauntology stuff um, is also present in these games. And I think one reason why it's super effective in Elden Ring is that idea that like there's no one who even can conceive of escaping from the system even Ronnie's ending, which is like, you know, semi that is still like someone's lusting for power and gets a bunch of juice. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, there is no outside uh, of, of capitalism or of the Elden Ring or whatever. And I think that's like, again, like another layer of why these games are so fucking cool. Whereas like Ragnarok again, just have, have you know, I, it's literally on the TV in front of me right now, which is why I'm thinking about it quite a lot. Ragnarok has like literally every theme is like extremely spelled out every like what your takeaway from every moment is is very like hand fed to you like it's very uh, it's very it's it's like you just get a lot less Ludo narrative and a lot less exciting personal intellectual stuff going on and I think it's frustrating how many people are like conflating like explicitness of like classic storytelling with storytelling in general um it's very cinema sinzy i feel like the ragnarok to elden ring comparisons mm. i think that I, I, I there's not really a good way to say this without being or without coming off as like at least somewhat pretentious but i i, I do think that that's just kind of what people are uh i guess taught to uh expect out of narrative in in general like a lot of it, it's going it's something that's been that's going on across like games tv movies where like there there's a lot less ambiguity in what is like popular storytelling like you, everything seems to be geared towards like spelling out like this is why this person is good this is why this person is bad this is you are a good person because you're watching a movie about a good person and <laughs> like that yeah. that god of war is like very much or the, the first one even like is very much doing this kind of like prestige tv writing that is kind of uh pre- preachy yeah i think the first one overwritten the first one it kind of works because it's like this transition from this dude who gave up all this fight stuff like doing one last job because of how much he gives us about his son or whatever but in this one now like I don't know. It just doesn't quite resonate the same way. It feels a little bit more. I'm like, I'm having fun playing it. It's fun with the story and the story. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to play it. I played the last one and liked it because it was fun. Yeah. And the story set pieces are really fun, but it does feel a little bit more like, um, like preachy in this way, where it's just like you going around and it's a lot of people being like, wow, I could have handled stuff a lot better if I had done things a little differently. And like every quest kind of ends with that. And it's very like, 
That sounds exhausting. And then it's like very like Kratos. Don't you get it? If you were nicer to your kid, a lot of things would make a lot more sense. And it's like, okay, <laughs> fucking yes, of course. We all get it. It's like you needed one of these, not 500. Uh, and some of the ways that, that, that plays out are exhausting. really exhausting. Some of the ways that plays out are really cool and fun. The first one in particular is awesome, but like some of them are uh, extremely snoozers. And again, do you like to Elden Ring? Like Elden Ring, that that story element is in there, but so are 9 million other ones. And you kind of just extract what you want from it which is so much mm-hmm. more fun than having it just jam it on you. Yeah. It wasn't Miyazaki's inspiration for sort of the fragmentary storytelling of Elden Ring. The, like he was read fantasy with sort of limited English as a kid. Yeah. And so he would just pick stuff up randomly and like, and he would piece stuff together out of the fragments. It was based off of his own understanding of, and how cool that could be because it's literally about not knowing everything you're supposed to not know everything people talk cryptically because you're not supposed to know everything and you're supposed to fill in the gaps people are you know uh, it's like in god of war does everyone just say what their stated intention is Mm, everyone except for odin whose whole thing is being you know a master manipulator what, what I like about Elden Ring is everyone's Odin in Elden Ring. Everyone has is it in for themselves. Everyone's lying to you constantly. You know, everyone has their own version of the truth. You know, there's no it really doesn't handhold you as to what the truth of this universe is. You, you do shape it yourself. And you, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the God of War approach. But what I see it as is is a, more of a approach to video games that's like movies as people call these games cinematic for a reason because they are very linear and they are very sort of auteur driven and they have like a point to them you know at at the best version of that i think is stuff like the last of us and and the last of us too which which feels very much more like uh playing a movie than you know uh, shaping a game for yourself or something like that but I, i could be wrong no, I, mean, I think that's I think that's totally I accurate. think that's that's reasonable. Uh, I mean, that's how uh, I approach my comics, too, you know, because there are more comic-y comics which make use of uh, sort of text and drawing in, in like a, a more dynamic way with strange panel splits and like stuff mm. overlapping from panel to panel. And, you know, uh, but the way I approach comics is very storyboard. Like it is very cinematic. Like it's like, this is a scene and I am conveying the beats of the scene. I don't want to go outside the frames of the panel because I want to keep it sort of within the reality, the limited reality of this world, you know? So uh, that is my approach. And in, in the same way, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you are missing out. Uh, you are essentially missing out on another aspect of the medium, which is that for 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 comics, you have the page to you know do whatever you want. It's not mm-hmm. like a movie frame. You can you can do tons of things that are far more dynamic and convey dynamism far more differently than you would because it's a still image. Um, but with uh, uh, games, it's about shaping the experience for yourselves, which I think like a lot of games, uh, especially like a lot of AAA games recently are like, no, in order to be prestige, we have to be like movies, which are still like in our cultural memory are still the most prestige thing imaginable. Once it's the movie, you know, then that's, you know, the pinnacle of the franchise. Um, Also, though, I mean, I kind of like the way that it's done in Elden Ring on the grounds that like there's a sense of verisimilitude to it. And Mm -hmm. that like if you're walking out on a trail and you see somebody doing something, they're not going to say, ah, you must be new here to uh, Yellowstone National Park. 
this park was established in the 1800s to preserve something or other. There's right, this, like you do hey, like hey, look, look up a, a brochure. Geyser. Yeah, people it out in the world. <laughs> like these people have no fucking reason to sit down and explain every single thing that's going on to you. <laughs> Yeah, prawn guy it, just wants to hang out and cook prawns. I love prawn guy. He's he's prawn one guys, of the all time guys. Prawn guy's top tier guy. And um, why why would he think to like stop what he's doing and say, ah yes, we are close to the sorcerer castle? I forgot it's we're name. near uh what is it Riley Lucari. area yeah Riley yeah. area. But oh, I like man, to wait, come man, here I, and cook prawns because I'm close to the magic. The magic that is here. Can you feel the magic? I feel it in my prawns. But it's a great little human moment, too. It's like, wait, you like prawns? I like yeah. prawns. Yeah, that's I couldn't hate anybody that likes prawns. That's a much more human conversation than, you know, just some lore dump. Yeah. Even though there are plenty of lore dumps in Elton Ring. And there's, yeah, yeah, there certainly uh, are. But also, I like that Elton Ring also has, like, some of the weirdest lore. I know we talked about this before, I think, but, like, the fact that Radon's thing is that like he mastered gravity magic because he got too big for his horse and wanted to make his weight small enough that he could keep riding his small horse even as he got huge yeah. is like a beautiful. I love yeah, that. It's, it's so very fun. moving, but it's also very funny and extremely weird. Um, and I think that's also part of the fun is that like you you can't get away with. I feel like in Lear of Our Lord twenty twenty two having someone show up in a game and say a bunch of totally insane shit because then it just gets posted on like Twitter and everyone's like, look, it's just like fucking deadly premonition. Mm. Um, and everyone goes, lol, dumb, dumb game, bad, stupid. Um, but when you sort of splice it out all over the place, there's no singular moment of being weird and getting made fun of on the internet, but rather just like a thing that people assemble where you're like, oh, this is neat and weird and fun. And the horse model looks cute. And the horse model does look like, yeah. And the horse's name is Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive about that. His horse's name is Leonard. Let me double check. But I'm God. Also, just on the subject of exposition in comics, yep, I don't, I don't, you, you may you may have both noticed that I sometimes overly explain what is going on in my comics. In my comics, that is a deliberate choice because I used to be substantially more opaque. And people would complain about not being able to understand what was going on constantly. So I got <laughs> to a sort of the point. Like, yeah, that, that's sort of the point. But now I periodically will do stuff where there's just way too much text explaining what's happening uh, entirely as an act of spite for people. I like but that. That's bit, what though. comics are about, though. You know, comics are a medium of text and pictures. You know, that's what's sort of interesting about pl- applying cinematic ideas to comics because. In cinema, it's always show, don't tell, right? Yeah. But with comics, you are actually, with the text medium, you are given a very effective way in which to tell. Much more effective than having, like, text flash across a screen in a movie or something like that, where which the medium uh, inherently defies. With comics, it actually sort of embraces, especially, like, the way you use text, the way that you position it about the page and to lead someone's eyes in interesting ways. Uh, what the one popped off recently, which I loved your uh, I don't miss the 90s one. That one, by the way, like, yeah. Oh, we were talking since we were talking about bad handwriting earlier. That is what my handwriting looks like. (laughs) That is actually like a slightly cleaner version of what my my normal handwriting looks like. That is why I use a font. 
Yeah, but yeah, that I hate the nine that I don't miss the nineties one was very, very good. And it's a good example of like font font drawing your eyeballs around a page. Yeah, but just that's something you couldn't do with a movie. That would be like that would be impossible. I mean, you could do like text and screen in a movie, and it's been done effectively, but comics just takes to it more easily. Yeah. yeah. I had a there's a sequence I've always wanted to try to shoot in a movie where a guy is answering texts while looking around a room for something. And it's just every time he like opens a drawer or moves an object, it reveals the text to which he's responding. Uh, um, and do some yeah, dynamic feel, text, some dynamic can, text animation. I feel like the closest, be a fun the closest you can get to that kind of, pre- have either of you seen a short film called frog Jesus? <laughs> no, no. It's frog Jesus. Uh, it is one of my favorite short films. And I think the, the closest you could come to uh, making the sort of thing that I'm interested in doing in comics in in video. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is 40 seconds long. Okay, I right, might as well post it, it. Let's watch it really quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's just watch this together real quick. Uh, right. Because this is, I think, the the closest you can get to doing. All right. So oh, did you put in the all... Twitter? Th- yeah, you put in the Twitter thread. Yeah. Got all it. right. Do you want to try it all? Watch it at the exact same time. Uh, okay. Do you want to you want to sync it up? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Ready? Uh okay. Three, Three two, two, one. Go. All right. We are watching Frog Jesus now. It is a minute and fifteen seconds. Oh, most of that is credits. It's it's got a lot of credits. <laughs> when Similar I was to younger, Bambi versus Godzilla. Oh, it's playing in my house. speaker is weird. One day, I realized that frogs must need their own version of Jesus. <laughs> so I gathered lots of them around, <laughs> picked one out, and crucified it to a tree, whilst the others looked on. <laughs> I thought I could make a frog Jesus. I thought it had to be done for the good of their race. <laughs> yeah yeah that's very that's very rory uh that's pretty fucking good that is also yeah very uh written and directed by ben peters yeah there there is like a a quality to your work which is about remembrance of things past there's a reminiscence like quality to your work where it's jack handy-esque you're always talking about the good old days but in reliving the good old days is there something horribly fucked up like yeah. you're, you know how your comics go. Some guy yeah, turns into like a bleeding cube, or you know, yeah, shoves out of his mouth, and he's named I, Tony. Yeah, I. I <laughs> that's what I really wanted to do more than anything. I like goo coming out of people's mouths, uh, talking boxes named Tony and stuff like that. And yeah. then I, I, you know, made the horrible mistake of reading Mark Fisher, and then just thinking about Mark Fisher a lot. Capitalist, capitalist realism. I never read capitalist yeah. realism. Uh, it's, it's, uh. It's like a hundred pages. You can yeah, get Fisher a is hours. Fisher's great. You Fisher's could, work on pastiche is also really fucking good. You could uh, listen to an audiobook of it that is unfortunately narrated by Russell Brand. There's no but, such thing as outside of the system. Oh yeah, it's that, that outside is, of the system. Just like how there's no such thing. And I, I was outside Katy Perry's vagina. Right out when I was when I was licking up her vagina. Right, sorry, but yeah, yeah, no, that's that's accurate. That is uh, really what it what it is like. 
but yeah you know uh, it's just kind of turned into like that kind of obsession or like fixation with reliving horrible past memories is more than anything to do with just being annoyed at nostalgia culture because that's just the pervasive mode of the moment (laughs) is people becoming more and more obsessed with a, a, a lost past what I was just reading this. I had to, I'm going to fact check this really quick. Um, but uh, I believe that nostalgia is like literally derivative of the word for pain. Yeah. They yeah. mentioned it in, uh, they mentioned it in uh, Mad Men. Nostalgia is a pain in your heart. You know, when he's doing the wheel explanation. Oh, he's, right. Yeah. He's, he's killing also, it with his ad, his ad talk. The, but the literal meaning of nostalgia is the suffering evoked by the desire to turn return to one's place of origin. It, it also used to be uh, considered a, a mental disorder. It was something that society looked down on as being uh, yeah. self-destructive and counterproductive to, to uh, the human soul. Yeah, I agree. fixate on the past. It is Albert Bernicko. Uh, formerly, or I think this was, this was on Deadspin before the Defector era, wrote an extremely good essay about the, the problems of nostalgia um, that I highly recommend. Um, speaking of nostalgia, though, I've been playing a couple of other games. Um, oh, yeah, I've been playing Quake and Doom pretty much exclusively. Oh, yeah, you've also yeah. been playing some but old-timey games. I also have no nostalgia for them because I never played them as a kid because my mom wouldn't let me play video games with guns in them. That's fair. I so wasn't allowed is- to... A virgin experience. I was not allowed to play video games where you killed humans, only orcs or other fantasy monsters. Um, but uh, I recently acquired the Tactics Ogre remaster. Ooh, um, what Tactics Ogre Reborn? The remaster of Tactics, Tactics Ogre. Ogre. Yeah, the remaster of Tactics Ogre Episode Seven. Let us cling together. Um. It's really fucking good if you're a big tactics nerd like me. If you're not a big fiddly tactics nerd who likes to go through a lot of menus and organize your troops and switch people's equipment and change their classes and learn all their weird idiosyncrasies, it may not be an ideal gaming experience for you. But if you are one of those people, which is what I am, uh, it rips. It rips ass. It looks it looks great. The music rules. The story is largely based or is like not largely based, but is inspired by uh, the collapse of Yugoslavia. <laughs> um, like the, the Serbian. Really? Yeah. The creator talked about how like the collapse of Yugoslavia like created a context where the world would understand and believe this kind of story of like warring, like shared domestic, like, like factions that's, it's an extremely 90s thing. It's the most 1997 ever. Uh, yeah, this was inspired by <laughs> Yugoslavia. Yeah, he has a good interview about it. It's crazy. The balkanization. Oh. It, it's a it's an ARPG. I did I thought it was a JRPG. And it's a it's a no, it's it's a Japanese game, yeah. It's a Japanese, it's a Japanese game, but the creator oh, okay. was talking about um was still like I, he has this interview, he basically says like the world if i had made this game before the collapse of yugoslavia everyone would have been like this doesn't make any sense this kind of thing doesn't make any sense as like an out as like a historical outcome mm. but then yugoslavia happened so i can do this game and it makes sense and everyone believes in it and that so this is the moment for this game to exist um and they've remade it it's fucking super fun if you like to play a big deep tactics game the other game i've been playing speaking of games or where you kill demons from hell 
I got into I started playing Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, which is now in beta, mm. which is the the 40k version of Vermintide, where you like mm. get together as a group and kill a bunch of weird weirdos. Uh, it's very fun. Warhammer 40k is so good when the game gets the joke, and it's so bad when the game doesn't get the joke. Like when the games on because like I, uh, spoilers soon I'll have a, a Warhammer podcast that I'm making with Frankie and Hunter that will be <laughs> coming out. Uh, stay tuned for the world's first anti-Nazi Warhammer 40k podcast, which is the world's first anti-Nazi Warhammer 40k podcast coming soon to podcast host near you. Is uh, it going to be, be called handy. the anti-Nazi Warhammer 40k podcast? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that'll That's be a good title. pretty handy because all i know about warhammer 40k is uh the obsession that people on the far right have with it and with the concept of god emperors yeah well right because it makes sense like if they're not in on the joke if, if the if the game if whatever iteration of warhammer you're playing doesn't have sort of the sense that this is all very silly and obviously everyone involved is bad and we should kind of like be laughing at the idea that we would allow the world to get this way Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't understand that, then it really is just like the coolest thing in the universe is iron eagles, skulls, and big dudes with guns, brother. Yeah, uh, which is I very mean, a right wing thing. But luckily, Dark Tide does get the joke. Like the first thing that happens once you finish the training is a dead person gets reanimated with a holographic skull and tells you how good it is to be a soldier. So it's very powerful hoveny that way. Although I, I guess um counter to what I was complaining about about uh games hand holding hand holding you with the uh the moral of the story. Uh I kind I kind of feel conflicted about having said that earlier because of the fact that I remember that like people think fondly of worlds described in cyberpunk. Yeah. There's a, a great track record of people not understanding that things are meant to be satirical. <laughs> yeah, people, I mean, you just gotta Frankie said this actually on a recording of the podcast, but like if you're doing satire, you kind of got a flag right up top that that's what you're doing, you know? Um, which we I mean, even if you do, it's like people still like Homelander, and ironically, yeah, you know, was, there's you can be as the most satire thing yeah, on earth. I, 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 I kind of err on the side of it's not worth it to like super flag what you're doing because it doesn't fucking matter how overt you are, people are not going to get it. Like, there are people who take uh Starship Troopers seriously and get amped by it. I Look just saw all actually, the sequels was... to Starship Troopers, where it's actually about how important this battle against the bugs is. Yeah, I saw actually an article yesterday that was top five uh, films for conservatives, and number four was Starship Troopers. And it was like uh, a movie that understands yeah. that citizenship is earned, not given, and that only warriors belong. And it's like, oh, no. yeah. Man. So because of that, I, I err on the side of, well, people aren't going to get it anyway, so fuck it. Yeah, the funniest Neil Patrick Harris line of all time is "It's afraid, it's afraid." <laughs> happily, yeah, and happily. everyone yeah, cheers. So yeah, oh my god, perfect. People don't understand. People don't get that move. It's so yeah, fucking... dude. <laughs> Imagine so... how dumb you have to be. Yeah, a a true story. Um, is that we made a wisecrack video on Starship Troopers about like the functional. Like about the satire and how it works and the argument that's making, you know, the just classic wisecrack thing. Um, mm-hmm. and a fuckload of conservatives went crazy. Chris notorious conservative YouTuber Sargon of Akkad did an hour oh and a half video about how wrong we were about the oh movie. my god. Um, Rory that's... got in the comments and yelled at people. 
<laughs> oh, I don't remember man. that. I'm sure I did, but you did. I remember you talking to me about it because I were complaining about this to you outside of your house. What a classic blunder on my part. Um, it was, and they were like, so like you, this movie's not a satire. You don't know what you're talking about at all. This is any they, they talk about the Heinlein book a lot, and obviously famously fucking Verhoeven read like the first 10 pages and threw it in the garbage and was like, This book's stupid. Um, like you know, it's it's so funny that you guys are absolutely right. Like people will just disregard the the subject, like the, the satirical elements of a thing totally. Um, but at least Dark Tide's making the effort to make it clear that it's like war is bad and the empire is bad, but it's also obviously pretty cool to pretend like to pretend about. Um, so it's not as Nazi as it could be, which is good. Uh, although the unfortunate thing is that because the logo for the Imperium is based on the Nazi Iron Eagle. Uh, intentionally mm. Mm. Uh, you still see a lot of iron eagles flying around in that game which at the at this current moment in history is a little bit disconcerting but that's all right you know yeah it's better to it, see that than dave chappelle <laughs> <laughs> dave chappelle yeah, starts uh starts liking the iron eagle stuff dave chappelle shows up in warhammer 40k dark time yeah. like, hey, you're not allowed to talk about chaos you know yeah i'm gonna grab something real quick Uh-oh. oh my god dave Take chappelle seconds uh can kid i'm not worried though i'm not worried about the rising tide of anti-semitism i, I don't be, think there really is one i would be if there weren't like other more things happening yeah i don't know as a as a jew in canada i feel very safe right now i feel safer than probably a lot of jews have felt in world history yeah yeah that's i mean for sure. To be fair, all the 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 far right of Canada does is drive around in circles, honking their horns. <laughs> we no, we export all of our guys to you, Jordan Peterson, Lauren yeah. Southern, Gavin yeah, I mean, McInnes, anybody who is even of, Crowder. Anyone who's of serious concern comes here. So all you guys have to deal with is again convoy weirdos, the truck and convoy kind of across. And uh, we have uh, right now in Canada, the the big is conservative guy is a fascist millhouse called Pierre Polievre, a fascist Quebecois millhouse called Pierre Polievre. It's very funny. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. A fascist millhouse is a devastating description for a person. He that's that's it. You know, that's what he is. Is he the guy with the big coin? Or is that somebody else? I know there's I somebody think you're thinking of Batman. People. Batman had a big coin. There's somebody in Canadian politics doing something with a big coin, or maybe he has a big coin. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too into Canadian <laughs> politics. I know the broad strokes. I'm very curious. What do you mean by doing something with a big coin? Like he he's no. got like a big coin that he brings out at stump speeches. Is like this is you can count on. You're no. You're not flipping this coin. You know he'll say or something like that. Yeah, here's a, this is uh, we're gonna make this the the money even bigger. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what I'm talking about here. Uh, maybe there is a uh, there's a Canadian coin campaigner. I'm trying to oh, think the of the big like a, nickel. The big nickel. Oh, you're thinking of Sud- big... Sudbury, Ontario. That's just a, a feature of Sudbury, Ontario. Yeah, but he, he's is... like obsessed with the big nickel or something. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He he did like a post where he said when they built the big nickel in Sudbury in 1964, the total cost was approximately thirty five thousand dollars. Today, things that's pretty cheap for as big of a nickel. Three thousand one hundred, three thousand three hundred nineteen thousand seven hundred twenty three, or six that six thousand or six million something nickels. 
it's some sort of weird talking point with him where he likes to talk about the big nickel as a sign of inflation. I'm not going to. <laughs> well, if that were true, the nickel would have gotten even bigger over over the course <laughs> of time. I think it's not a problem. <laughs> it's currently overshadowing the beautiful town of Sudbury, Ontario. Uh, one maybe one day we'll get to go and see that big nickel ourselves. It's it's God. have you seen if you look at a Google Maps of Sudbury, Ontario, it's this it's it's this town that is flanked immediately to its north by this gigantic lake of rot like nickel mine, which is just this amazing scar and blight across the land. It's a it's a fun city, I'm sure. Uh, I'm going to be going to Rochester next spring, probably. I thought about asking if you wanted to, like say hi or anything but then i found yeah out maybe the, meet up get a garbage but, plate the, in rochester yeah, the fair i found out the ferry between rochester and canada fucking closed so that'd ah. be like a very long drive for you yeah i'd have to go around the whole niagara escarpment yeah, there and, and you would have to do it because i don't drive <laughs> maybe i'd take a train into rochester oh, yeah you oh, can't so do that I saw that when I was in Rochester taking a different train, that there were trains to Toronto. How long of a trip is that? Eh, it's probably about eight hours. Jesus Christ, never mind. Then don't fucking worry about it. I'll find a reason to go to Toronto at some point. Uh, or go to yeah, Sudbury and see the big Comic nickel. cons always have. Try and get into the Comic Con. The comics art. The Toronto Festival of Comic Which one's art, the one the that TFCA. people got mad at? Because they let in the, they they, let in the, the NFT people. Cat. Yeah, they let him take chat me at a person. <laughs> uh, people, people just savaged the festival because, uh, yeah, it's, it's, oh, you know, shit. I'm not even, I'm NFT neutral. Like I didn't do it because I knew I would alienate my audience. Uh, so that's, that's really, if I could have made money on it, I would have, but uh, I, I don't think I could have with the people that I had already cultivated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I so, think there was like a month window right at the beginning of it where you could have possibly gotten away with doing doing it if you got in like before it was obvious it was a bad thing to do. Yeah, but like also cigarettes. just like the type of people that are into buying NFTs are not the type of people that I think appreciate art in no. general. Well, no, they're like they're they're no, doing it entirely speculative reasons. Yeah, and like whatever whatever like aesthetic enjoyment they get out of it is tangential to the idea that this is a speculation device. But I just went to pink cat's website and says that none of her, her things have been minted yet. Okay. So was this so a big like rug pull then? Months. Yeah. I don't even think that like it got to the point of, of charging people. Okay. Well, I'm not sure you if go. you can call it a rug pull because that implies that there was a rug, <laughs> a rug to be pulled. <laughs> Uh, all right, dudes. Uh, I think it might be time to call a rug pull in this episode because we've been going for, I mean, if you count the stuff that is not going to get in the edit because it was all before we were recording, almost an hour and a half, and I got some to take care of. But thank you guys for coming on. I didn't to... even talk about Oh, yeah, cyborg. we can talk about Cyborg. Forget that. Rug unpulled. Let's talk about Cyborg really quick. Just, hey, we can just do it. So, oh, yeah. So, first, I got to explain Morkborg. 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 Or, or Lux, Lux can explain Morkborg. Uh, Warpborg's a game that Rory and I played a bunch together and I played some other folks, which is a very like old school dungeon crawler RPG, but you're very fragile and everything can kill you and it's full of traps and it's real nasty, slimy, like everything's dead. There's basilisks everywhere. 
it, it's like a Dark Souls. It's very top. Dark Souls. It's very from mm-hmm. soft and it's aesthetic. Very from soft. Um, very love. Yeah. There, there's this movement within the tabletop role playing game community to make uh, what what is the phrase they use? Is just retro. Yeah. Or throwback. Yeah, I forget whatever what they like call that. it. They like to get back to like the old D and D, where like you could just yeah. die. At, like you just roll up several characters at a time because you would just die constantly. And the rules are like pretty vague and ambiguous, but so like th- this came out a couple of years ago, huge success, super because fun. people really just like game. got really really drawn to the super grody aesthetic of it, and, and also a very good game. Yeah, it's also yeah, super I'd play fun. Some Borg with you if you want. But to get into the it. the people who yeah. uh, did that just put out Cyborg, Cyborg, which if you couldn't guess already is the exact same thing, but with cy- cyberpunk. All right. And also, well, who doesn't way, like dark, dark future fantasy? But also, way more tables. There are so many more tables in this book. <laughs> That's this great. Book has uh, it's not even rules tables. It's stuff like there's a table to just generate an NPC if you don't oh, want right. to come up with like what this person's like, where you can roll that you've got a uh, gore grinder with mirror eyes who is a politician who is obsessed with printed shirts that sounds like he's a he's a regular john fetterman it sounds like and wants <laughs> safety for loved ones john fetterman all the way fetterman <laughs> yeah, big that, boy gore grinder all the way printed did, shirts. yeah it is possible to john roll cyber john fetterman <laughs> There you um, go. Yeah, game, we should we should get a game together. Maybe we should we should uh, go back to the Discord to the to, to the Twitter DM thread and figure this one out. Yeah, because uh, I run it, that shit again for sure. It's something that like is is also very much uh, related to my current interests, and in that I've been reading a lot of cyberpunk literature recently uh, because I've kind of become fixated with the idea that cyberpunk has become hauntology, where yeah, it is, it is no is. longer like a warning of the dark future as much as like this weird echo of a thing that people like kind of thought the future was going to be instead of the future that we got, which kind of sucks more in that it's essentially cyberpunk. Like we we do live in a world where there's like a handful of of corporations that are carving up the world (laughs) into their little systems in real time. But, we but we're all like the neuromancer. It was all like darkness and like sin. Now it's just Disney. It's yeah, just this it's, weird Disney-fied, Baudelaireized, toothless version, like conflictless yeah, version of the cyber future. It's the same thing, yeah. but like uglier and tackier, and without any of the like cool stuff. No that, neon, like, no group, fucking yeah. katana hands. No neon. We did get no side shave haircuts though. There's plenty of side shave haircuts, so at least we I, got that. That's maybe true. I should have just blurted out no Asians, but that is also like <laughs> an undergirding <laughs> feature of of cyberpunk as a genre. What if yeah. there were Asians in North America? What if what if North America looked more like Tokyo? Yeah, isn't that crazy? Well, that could never happen. That's crazy. <laughs> that is really, especially like the after William Gibson era of cyberpunk. I mean, obviously William Gibson's doing that shit too, but like, yeah, the like the later like '90s shit really is just like this is a book about what if America, what if Tokyo was New York. <laughs> That's so funny to me because if you're from Toronto and you grow up in the Chinese part of Toronto, which is Toronto, it's mm. like it's it's one of the most 
it's one of the most Asian cities. Uh, like, so it was weird to me when seeing Blade Runner. It's like, could you imagine if a city had a bunch of Asian people in it? I was like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm in one. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I just remembered our, our friend Brendan uh, describes it as spam punk. So yeah. that, that's a term. That's a term to keep with you. Yeah. Imagine the giant Coca-Cola billboard from Blade Runner, except it's just showing 50% off Ray-Bans. Yeah. Still one of my favorite photoshops of, of your whole life. Um, That one's so funny. All right. Well, Cyborg fucking rules. Very excited yeah, to play it. Let's figure that out. Let's figure it out. We'll do it in the Twitter thread. Uh, Alex, do you have anything you want to plug before we get on out of here? Yeah, follow me on Twitter for as long as that's going to be alive at uh, House of Decline, H-A-U-S of Decline. You can also go to our website, houseofdecline.com, which is the same spelling. Subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash houseofdecline for more comics, for extra podcast episodes, for potential commissions, if you want any of that. And uh, have a wonderful day. Hey, hell yeah. That's very generous. Rory, distribute Twitter.com slash bone jail uh, on Instagram at Rory blank on t- Facebook at Rory blank comics on Tumblr at uh, Rory blank. I think also just uh, if you type in king of it'll take you to the exact same place because I do, I'm too lazy to build an actual website. So I just use my Tumblr as a website and have a custom domain name attached to it. Uh, I just signed up for Webtoon, which is a stupid move on my part because I what I produce has nothing to do with what people who go on Webtoon are interested in. But if I get a thousand subscribers, I can get a small amount of ad revenue from it, apparently. I'm sorry, Alex, but you can't do this because your comics all explicitly violate the terms of service of Webtoon. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you switch to doing Igor full time. I mean, I've heard, I've seen Webtoon and I've, I've man, uh, in terms of just like, I've heard some some stuff about Webtoon. I'm not going to get into it, but I've heard yeah, some sort of shady stuff about it. I, I mean, I'm not super thrilled about being there. It's just I decided, well, fuck it. It's another avenue to go down, so I might as well. Uh, Something we didn't discuss. Do you, you see what happened to the Oh No guy with the whole yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah, game company insane. tried to steal his shit? Yeah, that is insane. I don't. I still don't Wait, fully understand what happened. Uh, you know the guy who published webcomic name? It's the comic with really basic characters, and they did something like, I want to change something. Everything is different now. Oh no. And you yeah. know, the 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 and they're fun comics. They're good little yeah, comics. It, he partnered with guy. a games company called Golden Bell, and they stole all of his IP and are claiming all of their IP, his IP is theirs. From what I've heard that's Whoa. happened with other other cartoonists also, where their business model seems to be predicated on uh, tricking web cartoonists into giving them their IP. Wow, that fucking yeah. sucks. So this guy is currently in a legal battle to try to own the thing that he made. Wow, great world. Speaking of spam, uh, speaking of spam punk for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, closing out my plugs. I also have a Patreon where I send out stickers and a zine every single month. Uh, I just finished issue 42, which is half a month late, and I'm working on issue 43 right now. I've been working on it on the call. Uh, I will be printing my 10,000th issue of one of my zines this month. Whoa, Ten, uh, over 10,000 zines, I've sir. I've sent out over 10,000 pieces of paper with some comics on them. Pretty um, a lot. If you think about how many pages those zines are, we're talking, what, 
10,000 pages, 15,000 pages? Uh, to- total pieces of paper? Yeah. Pages? Uh, yeah, I couldn't even fucking tell you. Well, that's in the um, hundreds of thousands, because if you've done 10,000 issues, then they're like 16 pages a piece. A great yeah. deal. A great yeah. deal you get. A great deal when you think about it in terms of how many pages you get. Close to 800 pages of exclusive print content. Uh, I also am finishing up new T-shirt designs right now, which will probably be online later today at skeletonwizard.com or at getjackedoffbythepresident.com, <laughs> which are the same website. I, I forgot about the new compulsively one. buy domain names. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't have that on the Jack in it forums. They didn't have getting jacked off by the president. That's a five out of five. Jack well, I guess it depends on the president. Updated since two thousand nine, it still exists. Oh, no, I, I think they, Twitter they, dies before Jack and World dies. That'll be pretty good. It will. Jack and World will never go down. Jack and World is eternal. Um, speaking of things that are eternal, uh, that doesn't make any sense. The God Emperor is eternal. Uh, and you can learn more about him on the podcast I have coming out eventually called the world's first or the internet's first anti-Nazi Warhammer 40 K podcast, <laughs> um, which is coming soon. Uh, you can check out uh slam portal on this coming Saturday. Assuming, or yes, yeah, Saturday, if this comes out on time or you maybe missed it, but either way, it'll be at twitch.tv slash slam portal. And you can find me on Twitter at tailboy. That's T A I L underscore B O I. Goodbye everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.